Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. <laughs> I won't ask who can relate, um, but who can relate at times, maybe not not praying before you decide who you're going to marry. Uh, hopefully you did pray about that for those who made that decision. Um, but, you know, when you think about just regular life, if, if, if we were to uh, sit down and, and kind of write, I'd say, hey, write down the top five or six things for you to be happy, good in life, what, what would you need? And we'd probably all have similar things like I need a healthy diet, get some exercise, um, you know, learn how to work hard uh, when I need to, but at the same time have good balance, so good rest, Maybe relationships, family, friends. Right? You'd get five or six of those, right? And then I'd say, how are you doing on those? And, well, I don't really have time for exercise. Well, I, I can't sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Or, right? Because all these other things grab at us, pull us away. The same thing happens in our Christian lives. And as we continue our, our Acts series um, to this week, I wanna, the, the focus is on that thing called prayer. And if you've been a Christian for one day and someone said, what do you think something that Christians should do a lot? You would even know the answer, wouldn't you? Well, we should pray. You probably have that and reading your Bible is top two. Maybe gathering with other believers and a few other things, but you would have it there, and yet we get asked, I have these conversations all the time, yeah, I don't have time, I'm not really sure how to do that, right? And we sometimes struggle with that, and yet sometimes we just need that refresher, right? That we just need to just put down the book, put down whatever it is, and pray, be devoted to prayer. And so since that's what we're talking about, why don't we pray? All right, let's pray together. Father, I'm I, um, I just so grateful for the opportunity this weekend we've had um, at, at the five yesterday, at the nine earlier, and now at this uh, as well. And, and the fact that we, can, that we can worship you through song and prayer and that we know that, that Lord, our voices are united with your people throughout the world on the Lord's Day. And that though we can't hear theirs voices and they can't hear ours, we know you hear all of ours. And someday we'll be together. Every tribe and tongue and color and, and young and old, all un- united because of what you've done for us, Jesus. And so, Lord, we think of that day. But in the meantime, and it's already not yet, you've set us on a mission. And, Lord, we acknowledge before you that there's nothing more important in this mission than prayer, talking to you as we're doing right now. And I pray that you would change us even one degree before we leave here, all of us. Those who have vibrant prayer lives get even more vibrant. Those who are really struggling, that, that you would energize them, give them wisdom, help us, Lord. For those who are weary, you would give strength. For those who are, um, for those who are, are lacking focus, that you'd give that to us. That, that whatever we need, you would provide so that we can know you and love you and worship you better. We pray for our kids and our babies and those who are instructing them and helping them downstairs. Bless their time as well. In Jesus' name, all God's people said? Amen. 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 So um, we've begun this series last week, if you were with us, in uh, the book of Acts. We started chapter 1. We've left off with verse 11. So really complicated thing. We're going to start with 
Verse 12, all right? Um, and so if you're, uh, we'll put it on the screen, but if you're following along in your Bibles, that's where you can, you can open to. And uh, um, we, um, uh, hopefully next week, because a, a few people have asked uh, that, um, and I mean that, people have asked, this isn't like one of those, guys, I know a lot of you have been asking about my eyeliner routine, I just want to, Nobody cares, right? So, so this actually people have asked, right? And um, uh, they, they like to read ahead. And uh, if that's not you, no worries. But some of you are overachievers and want to know what we're doing. So I'm going to hopefully have that by this upcoming week, and we'll send that out. We'll have copies made. Not a big reading guide this time, but just a breakdown so you know each week what we're going to be covering if you want to read in advance so you're, you're ready for our time together. So we'll do that. Um, I also want to do, uh, you'll see a lot more, and you've, maybe we're in uh, the commons uh, next door and saw some posters up there. But I want to kind of plug the marriage retreat uh, uh, conference, I guess we're calling it, um, that we're having. And, and, and I want to do that because we have this thing. Some of you have taken this uh, for various reasons. I know I have. And both uh, Pastor Bob and I have been trained uh, for, through Prepare and Rich to give these, they call them assessments. And they're a lot like um, if you've ever taken a personality thing where it tells you your personality type, your strengths, your weaknesses, etc. Except this is done for couples. Uh, I use them a lot now for pre-marriage uh, counseling, and Bob uses them for marriage counseling. As you can imagine, they look very differently, right? Um, and, and yet, it really looks at where your strengths and weaknesses are. It's part of that, so we want everyone, will, so it's whether you've been married 50 years, 60 years, or you've been married one year, or you're thinking about getting married and you're, you're very committed in, in a relationship, it can be a great tool for us to then go into and identify where you're doing well and where you're, you're not doing as well and could use help. Okay, uh, so be on the lookout for signing up for that, and we'll have more information as well. But I do want to just plug it myself. I think it's really valuable. This isn't just for those who, who think they're having problems, right? We can always get better. Um, and my wife's not even here, and I said that. So there you go. Um, so we, we look at verse 12, and if you were with us last weekend, we began Acts. This is where Jesus ascended, and he gave the impossible mission, which is actually possible, right? That you can actually take this gospel, and, and you're going to go, right? You're going to go to the ends of the earth. But remember, his very specific instructions were to go and stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. And, and they didn't live in Jerusalem. They lived in Galilee, these guys, right? So, so this wasn't home. So he said, go and stay and wait. That was the instructions, and as I, I want to put that before you because it's really important. Verse 12, we see these very important words, then they returned to Jerusalem, okay? They did what he said, they obeyed. From the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. Simple obedience, right? That, that it's not just in the big things. To you and I, no big deal, but there's got to be some, I don't know, I, I'd rather just go home. I'm sort of tired of being around here. Or, man, maybe they had, uh, you know, I call him Pessimist Thomas, not necessarily Doubting Thomas, but you can imagine him being like, well, we'll go, but we're probably all going to die, right? Sort of the Eeyore of the group. And, 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 or, and there was, there's doubt. Hey, we saw lots of cool things, miracles and promises, things come true, but, but Jesus was always with us. He was walking with us, with, with us. He's gone now. Like, forget, right? all of those doubts, all of those distractions creep in, just to, like they do with all of us. When we have some way, we read God's word, right, and we're like, okay, this is how God wants us to obey, and then, ugh, right, there's something that can get in the way. And so they simply, despite all of that, obey. They obey. 
Verse 13, and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. So very similar list that Luke gave us in his gospel in chapter 6. A little bit different order, um, except a major piece is missing here. And, and maybe you get confused because you see Judas, the son of James. Remember, there were two Judases. That one was not the bad Judas, right? There was Judas of Iscariot. He's not there anymore. He's gone. So there was supposed to be 12. Jesus chose 12 apostles, a very specific office that was not to be repeated. There's other sent ones or apostles like Paul was to the Gentiles, but this specific office was the uh, renewed Israel, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles. That's how Jesus made it. Problem is, we got 11, and they're going to have to do something about that. But just keep that in the, in the back of your mind. Um, so there they are. They're in Jerusalem, right? And it says, all of these, meaning these apostles, with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brother. So you see kind of different groups. You've got the apostles, right, the 11 at this point. You have the women. We've seen there's many women who are very instrumental in Jesus' ministry. They're there, and, and including Jesus' mother. This is the last time we see her in Scripture. What a beautiful last time of her de- with others devoting herself to prayer. Right? You also see Jesus' brothers. Clearly, uh, you see, when you read about them in the, in, the, in the gospel, they're not following Jesus. They think he's, he's kind of a crackpot. Right? They're like, well, this guy's crazy. What happened to Jesus? Now they're followers. At least James, we know, met the resurrected Christ. Something changed. And so there they are. You kind of got different pockets and groups, right? But, but here's the key. They're together, one accord. So this isn't pocket. Well, we're the mighty apostles over here. Well, women, you pray over there. That's not what's happening here. They're together, and they're praying. God, help us do what you've called us to do. Help us be patient as we wait. It says they're devoted. That's a key thing. This wasn't some churchy exercise where they were just sort of praying, right, Uh, as as sort of a, a religious thing to do. This wasn't just before meals. They're devoted. If you're devoted to something, what does that mean? And if you're devoted to your, your spouse, which I hope you are, right, that means that, that some days it's easy. And some days, man, you're just so devoted to your spouse, and other days, just ask my wife, right? It's not so easy. But, you, but, but my wife stays faithful and devoted to me because it's a priority. That's how they were to prayer. Sometimes, hey, prayer just comes easy. We need something. We see it, right? Other times, it's like, eh. Right? And we kind of like the girl in the, in, the, in the video we watch. Just rather do our own thing, get our strength from somewhere else. But they were devoted in prayer. Scripture talks a lot about being devoted in prayer as an individual. Right? We see um, Jesus himself said, hey, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door in secret. He's not saying that's the only way we should pray. He's just saying don't make it a big show. Right? That this is between you and God. Talk to him. Be devoted to him. We see all kinds of examples of that. But here we also see examples of being devoted in prayer together, right? That we should pray together. And, and, and so sometimes that means like when I just prayed or when someone on the worship team prays or during elder prayer is, is if, if God's working in your life, like especially after, at the end of the message, that's awesome, right? Like do business with God. But sometimes you're like, I don't really know what to do here, so I'm just going to 
We live in a culture where someone speaks, we listen. Someone sings, we listen. All right? But that's not the exercise of prayer. I'm not saying everyone stand up and start praying out loud, but quietly, if you don't know what else to do, pray. Say, Lord, I know there's got to be someone right now who's struggling or someone right now who needs salvation in this room. God, would you do, right? As, as I'm praying, we're praying together. We're devoted to praying together. When you're in your families, you're in your um, small groups, like pray, it's fine to pray for Uncle Larry's surgery. I'm not against that. Do it. But also remember to be devoted to pray for real heavy spiritual gospel things. Right, that this that our church would reach our, the community, that we would see many baptisms and lives changed, and, and, and that our children would, would, would hear the gospel and respond. All of those things in one accord, devoted to prayer. So as we, we pause in this part of, of the story in Acts chapter 1, I wanted to see a, a couple of elements of praying. And the first, you should be able to remember this, it rhymes, to be praying in the obeying. Right, so, so think about the, the apostles, right? They, they witness the ascension. They're told, go to Jerusalem and wait, and they do it. They simply obey, but what do they do while they're obeying? They're praying. You obviously want to pray before you obey because you're asking for God's help in doing what he wants you to do, and you should pray afterwards. Thank you, Lord, for getting me through that, helping me do that task, or help me do it in that way that you wanted me to do it. You should do that. But what about the process of actually obeying? Because all kinds of things are going to come up against you, right, to try to stop you, to try to, you, know, you might leave here uh, this morning and be like, all right, I'm renewed, I want to get praying, right? And then, boom, you get outside and everything in the world bombards you to distract you and keep you from doing that. So as you're obeying, you need to be praying, right? So, um, I, I, you know, if you, were, if you were paying attention in the, um, the announcement video earlier, you heard that our, some of our outreach team really prayed about it. God put on their hearts to get through all of your, by the way, generosity, because they didn't buy them like you did, uh, whether you knew it or not, and got $20 gas carts that they handed out to a bunch of, I don't know if unsuspecting is the right word, it's sort of, sort of uh, scary, um, but they, 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 so they got permission at this place um, to hand them out early in the morning one day, and they showed up, and they were doing that, and um, one of the people who works there uh, didn't know they were going to do that and was very angry, right? came flying out. What are you doing? Get out of here. You're bothering people. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, well, we're just giving free gas cards, right? You know, and, and so in that moment, right, they're obeying God, right? But in that moment, there's a lot of human reactions they could have had. One, run in fear from this person. I'm just going to call the cops or something. You know, two could have been, this probably would have been my temptation, is to what? Right? And now what have we done? We've just spent all that money and all that time, and we have a worse reputation as a church, right? Because we got in a fight in the middle of a gas line, right? So that is the temptation. The other one could be to leave and give up. And what they did is they prayed. Prayed as individuals. They prayed together. And they simply said, well, we're not going to stay here but we'll still go somewhere else that God leads us and hand them out. So they went to different other places, handed them out. Um, Vicki even said she, she just felt called to stop at, at, a, at a local bar in the middle of the day. <laughs> and she had f- four cards. Thankfully, there was only four people there. And so in Jesus' name, she handed them out, right, and left because they had prayed. 
And, 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 and so you, you just never know what obstacles are going to come up. You have to remember praying, right, is the fuel to which you're obeying. The access to the Spirit. I remember a number of years ago, and I say that on purpose because I don't want you trying to figure out who this is. Not, he's, not, he's moved on quite a long time ago. But I was preaching just like this and, um, you know, put a lot into it. Here we go. Lives are going to be changed. I look out, and there's this guy just going. And I know some of you are like, wake up. This isn't a time to sleep, right? Um, and, and it happens to all of us. It's happened to me, right? You're even engaged in the sermon, and then the room gets warm, and you're like, whoa, right? That happens. But this, this guy was a frequent flyer. You know what I mean? Like if we gave out points, he'd have free sermons for the rest of his life, all right? And, and so, so like, and, and so I, I don't know what it was because I've seen that before. No big deal. It happens. But I just saw it. Plus, I also knew this person, and I knew this is, again, human speaking, not God, me saying, if anybody needs to hear this sermon, it's this guy. And that's all that going through my head in about a half of a second, right? So I'm there, and the welling up of rage, like, I don't know if you've seen these viral clips. I'm a pastor, so they tend to attract me. I get attracted to watching them. Um, But there's, like, a pastor who just gets fed up and starts calling out people in the middle of his sermon. And it's like, the worst thing ever to do, uh, but funny to watch that explode. I actually, for half a second, wanted to do that, and what did I do? I remember, it's up here, praying. Like, if you were watching that day, you probably saw, man, did Jamie lose his, because it was like a lot of emotions went through my face in about one second, and then I said, God, give me the patience. Help me to see him the way you see him. I don't know everything, right? All that, like, just boom, 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 and it was like, right? The pressure's taken off. This isn't personal, right? And, and, and yet, it only came because of the Spirit, right? Every single time our youth leaders gather on Sunday evening to hang out with our students, who we love. We really do. I love hanging with our students. I do. Um, because they keep me somewhat not old. And I do. And yet, when we get in those small groups, right? Like, you, you've put a lot into it. You've thought about it. You've prayed about it. You're like, man, lives are going to be changed. No, no lives get changed, right? You start talking and you realize nobody's listening, nobody seems to care, right? And so your, your human reaction is you want to leap over and maybe smack one of them, right? And that wouldn't be good because you'd get arrested, I'd get fired and all that. So, right, we pray. We do a lot of praying silently and together because that's that's, that's our humanness. We need, as we're obeying and doing this, we need God's help. And so does every one of us in here, individually and together, right, to be praying while we're obeying. They had the word of Christ. He said very specifically, go to Jerusalem and stay. We have the word of God, right, handed down from the apostles to us. And so you read in there, this is how I get wisdom. This is how I do marriage. This is how I parent. This is how I'm supposed to behave to someone who who's really frustrates me, right? All, and it's like, okay, this is how to obey. Some of those things you love doing, a lot of those things are hard. As you're attempting to do them, do not try to do them without praying. It's not just, you don't have to. Some people don't pray because they think you need a 15-minute preamble. You don't. Just help. God, help me. Give me patience. One second as you're going into your boss's office or as you're, uh, as you're dealing with an unruly employee or as you're dealing, again, for the 15th time, your kid doing that, right? God, help me. Give me wisdom. And together as a church, the same way, 
right, to be uh, praying families when you're doing family devotions. That's fun, right? It, it looks just like the cover of the devotional book, right, where dad's got a fresh cut. He's, he's talking. Kids are all like this. Mom has just made some cookies, you know. Everybody's, everybody's doing great. Is that how yours looks? If it does, just leave. We, we, we don't, we're, we're not good enough for you, all right? But it isn't, but you feel like, ah, as you're doing that, you're praying the whole time while you're obeying. As a, as a church, be praying. We want, oh, we want more than 50 people this year who didn't know Christ to, to know Christ, right? So we should be praying as we're seeking to do that. As we're going out there, as we're having those conversations, is we should be praying together. Every time you're together with other believers, it's an opportunity to, to pray. And, and even if it's just a few minutes long, to pray as we, as we obey. Second thing um, here is, if we look at these apostles, is praying in the waiting. How many of you like to wait for stuff that you want? <laughs> oh, me, I love that. Zero of us, right? Nobody likes that. Except God often makes us wait for stuff, doesn't he? I was talking to someone after church last, last night, and they were talking about, man, I came in here, and I was going to, I didn't even know the topic of the message. I was going to ask you if it's time for me to just give up praying for this person. And I, I share with her, I don't know if those of you have been with us a while, you might remember Avis Williams. Avis lived to be 99. Um, she went to be with the, the Lord. She prayed for her unbelieving husband for 35 years. And he came to Christ. What if she'd given up after 10? I still think God would have saved him. But she was such deliberate and steadfast. Don't give up. But the waiting sometimes makes us want to give up. They just had to wait a few days. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Right? How many of you, go ahead and raise your hand, have been praying for the same thing for a number of years and you're still waiting? Go ahead. (laughs) Phew, I'm glad I'm in good company. Right? Praying and waiting for God to answer is so hard. The distractions come. Give up. Don't bother. God's not listening. If he was going to answer this prayer, he would have already done, uh, done it by now. Doubts fill our mind. right? You're praying as you're obeying, but you're not seeing the answer, and you give up hope. I pray, there's, right now, there's three or four things, and I pray for a lot of different things, pray for a lot of different people, right? Three or four things, I pray almost, probably not every day, I'm not going to lie, almost every single day where I still don't quite see any fruit. And it gets frustrating. I want us to forget it, right? But you know, Jesus told an awesome parable about that, you remember? where a friend has someone else uh, in the middle of the night come and he has to get bread. And so he goes to another friend. And you remember what he did? He ran up in the middle of the night. Hey, I need bread, right? And you remember what happened? Kind of like the Wizard of Oz, a window popped open and he pops out. He's like, shut up. That's my translation. Don't look at your Bibles for that. He's like, man, I got kids in here. I got a wife who will kill all of us. The kids just got to sleep, man. What is wrong with you? Right? What, what does he do? She'll go, no. I need bread. Keep him. It's like, just, just quiet. I'll get you the stupid bread. Right? And, and again, my translation, all right? And, and so he does. And Jesus said the point is, man, that guy gave him the bread. And he keep, not out of the goodness of his heart because he was so persistent. He says, imagine what God will do. 
who never tires of you asking him. In the waiting, in those prayers that I have, God, I, I'm asking you again today. I'm believing that you're going to answer this because where else would I go? Who else am I going to go to? Who else does answer? I know you do. You're holy. You're worthy. We just sang that in church, and I believe it, right? My hand's getting tired of doing this, but I'm not going to stop, right? I'm not going to stop, right? Like, like some of you, you, you pray, like, God, I, how long is my marriage going to be like this? Or, or how long am I going to be alone? I'm trying to do it right. I'm obeying. I'm praying. Why won't you answer? Why, is, um, why am I still sick? Why does my child still deal with this anxiety? And we just keep praying. And we say, I believe you're going to answer it today. But if you don't, I'm coming back tomorrow. And I'm going to come back the day after. Because the answer is with you. That is how you pray while you're waiting. Some of you might be waiting a few days. Some of you a few months. Some of you a few decades. Keep praying. And what do you do while you pray? You sit under the avalanche of God's love and mercy and grace and know that he delights. He delights to hear from you. Where else will you go? We pray while we're waiting as individuals and we pray as a church. I have the conversations with you guys. I know. We look around the world and we're like, oh, it's getting dark, man. It's a Romans 1 world out there. Some of you have never read Romans 1, go home and read it, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, it is. I was in 2 Timothy chapter 3, my own reading this past week. It says, in the latter days, this, this, I'm like, check, 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 check. Uh-oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. We don't got much else to check, right? So I know it's like that, and it gets hard, and here's the temptation. The temptation as a church, right, is to shut the doors out of anyone with a mess, anyone with doubts, right, and have what we call a nice holy huddle, which becomes a holy huddle of hypocrisy because then I can't share with you my mess, you might kick me out. I can't share with you my doubts, you might kick me out. But that's the temptation because it's hard. And yet we're praying and waiting. God, use us in this mess. Please bless those around us. Show them the light of the gospel. Use our ministries. We want kids and students and elderly and everywhere in between. We want to see these people come to Christ. We want to see this baptism filled week after week after week. And we wait. And we pray. And we don't give up. And we wait. And we pray. Because God has promised. And so we pray and we keep obeying, and we keep waiting. Now this, um, as we just finish out this chapter, one little controversial thing happens, but there's one other element of prayer that I want us to see. So remember, they were, they've been praying and waiting. Um, so it says, in those days, so at some point in that waiting period, Peter stood up, among the brothers, the company of persons was in all about 120, and he said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, aha, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. He's saying, yeah, he betrayed. We know that. 
but it wasn't outside of God's plan. Still on Judas, but God worked that into his plan. In fact, David, and he's about to quote two different Psalms that David wrote, prophesied of this, okay? And he's about, he's about to give that to us. And he, and he says, for he, in verse 17, was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Judas was given this amazing position in this ministry. He was one of us, one of the 12. This didn't take God by surprise, but it certainly took Peter and the rest of the apostles by surprise. And now he's going to quote those two Psalms, but in verse 18, you'll notice uh, in the ESV, they have parentheses. Scholars through the years kind of differ. Most fall where ESV does, and that is this next, before we see the, the, the quotes from the Psalms, um, some would say that Peter, this was part of his original address to the brothers at this time, but most think that this is now Luke kind of inter, interrupting, right, to, to give some clarification. Because Peter's audience knew what happened to Judas, but Luke was writing this. His readership might not have. Either way, we see the gruesome details of Judas. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. Just simmer on that one, huh? Is that anybody's life verse right there? Print the t-shirts, right? Just do it in Latin so they don't know what you're actually saying. All right, so, so that's what happened to, to, to Judas. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Al-Akaldama, that is, field of blood. Now, one of the, 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 the problems here is when you read, if any of you have read Matthew, he gives the account of Judas a little different. And it's like, how do, how do you kind of bring the two together? Because Matthew said some other things. Well, what happened, most likely, is you put them all together, is Judas sold, sold out Jesus for um, 30 pieces of silver, but then he felt guilty. Remember, he threw them at the priest. The priest didn't want to keep the money, so they bought this field, but it's technically Judas's field because it's his money, right? And Matthew tells us he hanged himself, but probably at some point that rope broke or something happened and he fell and his bowels gushed out, right? Okay, I mean, that's, use your imaginations there. Um, or as he was ha- hanging on the rope in the hot sun, you get the point, right? So all of that happened, but either way, the problem that Peter is bringing up to them is that we only have 11. It should be 12. This was when he finally quotes the Psalms. It says this, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office, okay? And so, he says this, so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, John the Baptist, right? Until the day when he was taken up, ascension of Jesus from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And, and, and um, so he's given the parameters there. That it has to be somebody, obviously, who has good character, follower of Jesus, but he's been with us since the beginning. And sometimes, because we don't get a lot of names in the Gospels, we forget that. It wasn't just 12 people following Jesus around. There was many women, as we've seen, and there was many other men as well. They just weren't selected as part of the 12. But they began to follow Jesus early on, from the very beginning, John the Baptist, all the way to witnessing one of the key, probably the key aspect is they were a witness to the physical resurrection of Jesus and all the way through his ascension. Somebody who was there for that. 
okay? And those are the parameters, very careful parameters. And so verse 23 says, and they put forward two. So there's two guys, Joseph called Bersabbas, who was also called Justice. Guy had three names. I thought you couldn't trust a guy with two first names. He had three. Um, And uh, poor Matthias, he only has one. Probably because Joseph was such a common name that they wanted to differentiate. So it's not four people, it's two people. But this is very key. These two, two men both would be great candidates. So they're like, we don't know which one. We don't know. So what do they do? Right? It says, and they prayed. Imagine that. And they said, you, Lord, you, Jesus, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. He's already chosen the person. They're just not sure. They're wondering who it is. So they ask to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Look at the play on words there with the place. It's kind of sad, right? Judas had this place of ministry. He's left it to his own place of condemnation under God. And here is going to be one of these two guys who are going to take the place to where Judas has vacated. It's very important to realize that they only replaced Judas not because he died, but because he turned aside to his own place. See, they didn't, they're not going to replace James when he dies in Acts. This is a one-time 12-person office, right, that, that this is going to be it. They need to replace Judas because they represent the renewed Israel. And so they need this guy. So there's two of them. So they pray, right, and then they do something that has caused lots of consternation over the, uh, the decades and generations, and they cast lots for them. This is basically like dice, right? And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So everyone's like, is that how we're supposed to do it? Need to make a big decision, just roll the dice? And some churches have taken that seriously and done that, which they shouldn't, and some have been highly critical of that. But I want you to realize what's actually happened here. This wasn't a lottery. Right? They didn't all get an equal shot. This wasn't an election where they all campaigned. It was simply they did their due diligence. They had very specific and important parameters. They've been, they've witnessed Christ, they've been with us, right? And two guys would be amazing for this role. We're wondering who God wants. And so they cast lots, don't necessarily advise it, but that's what they did. Here's what, because what, what will happen is people will come to me quite often, right? Man, often might be a little extreme. But will come to me and say, hey, I have a new opportunity, a new job opportunity. And I'm not sure if I should stay in this one or should go to that. Or I have two job opportunities. I'm not sure which one to go with. I have um, two or three or four different colleges, and these two I like the best. Or like, those types of decisions. And they'll be like, I'm not sure what I should do. And I'll give my amazing pastorly counsel. And I'll say something like, God doesn't really care. And they're like, why do we have this guy? <laughs> and I'll follow it up with, he does. He cares about you and your choices. But you've done due diligence, right? You've, you, had, you didn't just open a college guidebook and go like that. And go, oh, I'll go there, right? That would be silly, right? You've went, you've done it, you've applied. Now, you, both could be great options for you. You pray and you pick one. Right? Or if it's, uh, you know, a, a job or should I move? You know, I'm assuming that one isn't sinful or wrong or selfish. And if that's the case and you're not sure what you do, you pray, you pick one, and whatever you do, you do it in a godly, Christ-like way. God's way more, uh, way more cares how you operate in that decision than which choice you make. Right? And so that's what they did. 
They had this choice to make, and they did everything they could, and then they prayed. And so we close with praying in the wondering. We need a 12th guy. It's important. These are two amazing candidates for it. God, show us. These are the type of situations that happen to us every day, right? What should I do here, God? I'm not sure how to operate. I'm not sure what I need. I'm I'm wondering what you want me to do. Pray. Pray. As a church, right, we, we, we pray. We say, God, what missionary do you want us to support? Pray. Show us. There's lots of good candidates. We can't support them all. Who, should, who do you want us to support? Right? We're going to do a missions trip. Lord, what should we do? There's a million different uh, trips we could do. What, should, what do you want us to do? We pray and we do it. Right? We, we, we've been, if you were at our annual meeting, we, we talked about how the biggest need this upcoming year is for uh, a, someone to serve in our student ministries. So we're praying. You can join it. We, we're fervently praying, God, who is that to be? There's a lot of different people you could go with. Who do you want us to, is, is right for us? And we pray. We devote ourselves to pray because we're wondering. We don't know. And it's beautiful and freeing, right, that, that we can do that collectively, but we can also do that individually. Lord, I'm not sure how to guide my child. Right? It was a lot easier when they were three. Don't put that in your mouth. You're going to die. That was easy. Scary, but it was easy. Now they're 13. They're 23. They're 33. And it gets harder and harder. And like, I'm not sure what to say, what to do. You're wondering, and so you should always be praying. And we keep obeying. And we keep waiting. And we keep praying. And so I want us um, to, as I pray for all of you um, here, I want to remind you what I, I said earlier. If God's doing work in your heart, you let him do that. I got no issue with that. But if you're just like, well, I'm not really sure to do why Jamie wraps this up, then don't waste that time. Pray. Silently pray. There's somebody here that needs, you, needs God to do something. And, man, your prayers are so needed. So while I pray, you pray. Right? Let's pray. God, we gather around your, your, your love and your mercy and your grace and your power, and we do remember as we sing, you are holy, holy, holy. You are faithful. You are. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone who's listening to this, who's weary, they're about to give up. They've been praying too long, they've been waiting too long, and they came in here kind of thinking it was over. They're just going to give that up. Oh, Father, would you give them a renewed sense of your love and mercy and grace that they would leave here not giving up, ready to get back to it, to get on their knees, to pound on that door, to continue to ask you to show up, redeem and save and help and restore and heal and bless and use us. And so, Lord, I pray for those who are waiting for that answer. I pray you'd deliver it even today, but that you'd give them the strength to continue to believe upon you and nobody or nowhere else. Lord, I pray for those who are just wondering something. They don't know. They don't know what to do. They keep going back and forth. Reveal your answer to them so they might know your will. Or if either one is fine, that, that 
you just give them the peace to make a decision and know that you'll be with them in it wherever that might be. Lord, we come before you as your people because you are worthy of all praise, all honor, all glory. Use us, families, our individuals, our ministries, our church, to be an amazing blessing to those around us and through the ends of the earth. We stand upon the good news of Christ and we sing to you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray and all God's people said, Let's stand and worship him together.